Hello and welcome to the Global City Missions Podcast. The podcast is hosted by Global City Mission Initiative. This is Seth Bouchel, GCMI's team leader in New York. And today we'll be addressing the topic, letting ministry relationships fail. I was recently contacted by a missionary from a team that I've been doing some consulting and coaching work with in the UK. And he and his wife had been sharing their faith for the last several months with a neighbor, and it had been going pretty well up until this point. Uh, but he, in his message, uh, he told me that this relationship had now collapsed, and those were his words. And so he wanted to solicit my opinion about how they could have approached the situation differently in order to assure a more positive outcome for a disciple-making uh, relationship from a DMM aspect. Um, and I have to confess up front, I don't actually know the circumstances that led to this collapse. And so the advice I gave him and a little bit what I'll be talking about today uh, came from a more general perspective of how ministry relationships can dissolve or collapse, especially with an eye towards a DMM strategy. Uh, now, in case this is the first time you're with us on the podcast, uh, we at GCMI pursue a strategy that's known as DMM or Disciple Making Movement. And it's a ministerial philosophy in which we work evangelistically to form new believers who learn very early on in their faith development how to disciple others who can then become disciple makers. And ideally, this leads to movements of disciples making disciples through utilizing very simple and reproducible ministry structures and tools. Uh, but like most things, the real world application is much messier than it looks on paper. So I thought it could be beneficial today to focus on the question my friends in Britain raised and talk about the various directions that ministry relationships can go when we're pursuing a disciple making strategy similar to DMM. And I touch on this same question briefly in our podcast episode 12 about follow, following up on initial spiritual conversations. So if you haven't listened to that, I would recommend going back and giving that a listen and see if it doesn't help clarify some of the things that I say today about the difference between someone who will engage you about spiritual things, what we might call a receptive person, and a person of peace, because they are distinct. Uh, but let's jump in and reflect on what relational collapse or failure, and I want to put failure in you know air quotes, really means from a disciple-making perspective. So as I've said, and, and the first thing that I replied to my friend in the UK about, uh, there's more than one way for ministry relationships to collapse from a strategic perspective. And I think especially in DMM, it's certainly been my experience and at least the experience of others I've talked to that are pursuing this strategy. It's expected that the majority of our relationships will at some point and in some form collapse. Um, and so I want to talk about what those ways are and how we can deal with those as missionaries and as disciple makers. So the, the first form of collapse or ministry failure from, again, a DMM perspective is a loss of interest after our initial evangelistic engagement with people. Uh, so, for example, you meet somebody and you really hit it off and have a great spiritual conversation, uh, have some great follow up conversations. And maybe after the course of a few weeks or a few months worth of pretty deep and healthy engagement, uh, about spiritual things, it just sort of winds down. And though you still see these people and you still have positive interactions with them, they're more superficial. And there's the sense that they don't really wish to talk about these kind of matters all the time and don't really want to go anywhere with them. And this is the, it's a very natural occurrence. Uh, and it actually represents the majority of my relationships in ministry. The vast majority of people I meet, well over half, 
uh, I can have a good conversation with, I can have a good follow-up spiritual conversation with, but they're really not interested in more than talking with me about spiritual things. They're not people of peace. They're not going to gather. They don't really wish to study the Bible. They're just good conversation partners. Uh, and because this is such a bulk of the number of people I meet in New York, this is a number of my friends and acquaintances that I see all the time. That when I see them, we have great conversations, but I don't expect that relationship to go anywhere ministerially. So that's one way that a ministry relationship from a DMM perspective can collapse or fail. A second way is that you could continue to have deep and meaningful conversations about spiritual things, but the person has no real interest in obeying or changing their life around scripture. And so this is a bit distinct from the first one, uh, because these are people who will actually go with us into scripture, maybe in a DBS, like we've talked about in previous groups, they may be a part of your house church, but when it comes to actually reorienting your life around the gospel, there is uh, a decision on their end that says, no, I don't, I don't have an interest in doing that. And this is actually something I would really encourage us to respect. And my advice when I'm training people is usually to say, you know, actually make these people treasured friends. Um, I think it's really healthy to have deep relationships with people who won't be a part of our ministry and who we can still have meaningful interactions with and they can play an important role in our lives, but they don't cross the threshold into our religious community. Um, and I actually am stealing that advice. That was some of the best counsel that I got from one of my missionary mentors who was a longtime uh, missionary worker in Holland. When I moved to New York, she told me, uh, seek out and find friendships with native people who are fun and that you like to be around and that don't want you to play a ministerial role in their life. And this may seem counterintuitive, but many of my closest friendships in New York are with people who have no interest in ongoing faith in Christ or in my ministry. And we still have deep and spiritual conversations and they seek my advice frequently. And I often ask their counsel as well, but we don't have what I would describe as a discipling relationship. And they're not a part of mine or any other church community. And again, to, to distinguish this from the first category, the first category of people are interested in talking about more superficial and surface level things but these are people in the second category who want to invest in our lives, who want to be with us, but they don't have an interest in changing their allegiance towards Christ or in really following or obeying the gospel. And that's okay. Um, you know, when I reflect on some of the more tragic periods of my own life, I can attest that following my missionary mentor's advice and having these friendships that are important and thoughtful people, but just they're not Christian, uh, it's quite literally kept me in the mission field at times. And in addition to this happening in evangelistic relationships, I often have people uh, hit this stage after being a part of a discovery Bible study. And that's OK. Um, DBS is designed to be a context for people's discernment. And often a loss of interest in following Jesus is a perfectly normal outcome of people actually taking the gospel seriously and counting the cost that when they reflect on what scripture is calling them to do, they take it seriously, they think about it, and they decide, no, I don't want to follow this. And so even though these people can be our friends and they're important from a strategic standpoint, this is one of the ways that a ministry relationship can collapse or fail to move forward. A third way a relationship may collapse is through conflict. And in my experience, this usually happens 
after the initial evangelistic phase. Normally this happens when I'm in a discovery Bible study with people or in a house church with them and have a little bit more consistent relationship uh, in community. And I would argue that in this case, it's pretty important that we do everything within our power to repair, to repent, and to reconcile beyond this kind of collapse. Uh, and this isn't actually for the sake of strategy, but for the sake of obeying the commitment to reconciliation that exists in the Gospels and in the person of Jesus. Um, I think especially if we don't feel like a conflict is our fault or that we are not at fault, it's, a, it's then particularly important that we seek out restoration in the relationship as an opportunity to humble ourselves and to model what we preach. Uh, so that's a third way. A fourth way that ministry relationships can collapse is just logistics, especially in urban ministry. You know, someone moves or someone gets a new job or someone starts dating a new person and so stops seeing their friends as frequently. This is a very, very common experience. Uh, and it requires when this happens that we trust God to continue to water the seeds that we've planted. And I think we should have a spiritual discipline of rejoicing that someone else may get to harvest what we've worked for. Uh, the good news is that, at least from my experience, most of the things that we end up harvesting in the lives of people that we disciple has been planted by someone else. And so when we get to be on both sides of that cycle, it can make it easier to endure even though it is really frustrating to just logistically lose touch with people who were spiritual seekers and they just become too busy or unavailable for us. The final way that I want to talk about today uh, that a ministry relationship can collapse from a DMM perspective is a divergence with a leader, um, especially for people who have some sort of institutional religious background. As they grow in faith and come to their own as a leader of a church or maybe a church network, they may decide not to continue to pursue our same strategy, or they may decide to pursue it in ways that we actually disagree with their decision making. So let me give a couple examples of that. Uh, several years ago, I had a few church leaders who were within a network of house churches that I had planted. And a couple years in, they decided, uh, a few of them, that they wanted to go to seminary and they needed to be ordained by this local Pentecostal bishop. And what they wanted to do was to try to grow their network of, you know, five or six house churches into a more formal congregation over which they would have authority as ordained pastors. And so even though they came to faith in, in our discipling relationship, they picked up a lot of strategic perspective from the wider culture and from observing other churches. And they ended up disagreeing with me about the best way for the ministry to expand and mature. And that was really difficult in a lot of ways for me. Uh, and I did disagree with the decision-making for a number of reasons, but at the end of the day, it wasn't my decision to make. Um, similarly, I've had some church groups that after a time, they sort of devolve into more insular small groups that are mainly social in their nature. And they, they sort of lose touch with any sense of mission or ongoing vision for disciple-making. And they include elements of Bible study and prayer, but they don't really grow either numerically or in spiritual maturity. And in these instances, uh, after a time, I just walk away, which is painful. And I care about those people. But from a strategic perspective, they're no longer going to be making more disciples. They're no longer going to be reaching out missionally to their city. And so as someone who is dedicated to a strategy to be catalytic 
and we talk about catalytic ministry in one of our previous episodes. If you missed that, it is time for me to walk away because the, the place that these groups have reached is a legitimate outcome of where they wish to be and the desires and decisions of everyone involved. And I want to be quick to point out in both of these examples that these are failures from the perspective of a particular ministry strategy, from the from the perspective of disciple-making movement. But from a larger kingdom perspective, there are a lot of beautiful things that God is doing in these same groups and in these individuals. And through their approaches to ministry and leadership styles and strategies, and just because they don't align with my particular work or the strategy of my particular team, we're going to talk about these as a failure, but God is still utilizing those. And from a larger perspective, nothing has failed and nothing has been lost. And I think, again, we can have a spiritual discipline of celebrating the work of others and the positive contributions they make to God's kingdom, even when they choose to move in directions that we wouldn't have necessarily chosen had we been in their same position. And so, again, I want to put failure in air quotes because this is only failure from a particular strategic perspective it's not a failure of the gospel and it's not a failure of kingdom. So those are the different ways that ministry relationships can dissolve or collapse that sometimes people we're engaging evangelistically lose interest and they don't desire to enter that same deeper space with us. And sometimes as people study the gospel and, and look at it and let it challenge them, they count the cost and decide that they don't want to follow Jesus disciples. And sometimes uh, in conflict we lose relationships, and, and in that case, we really need to go and work to repair those. Uh, sometimes logistics get in the way, and sometimes as disciples grow into leaders, they begin to diverge from the strategy that we would have pursued, and they begin to make decisions that we wouldn't necessarily agree with. Um, so I bring all this up to say and make the point that in ministry, we don't really control the outcome of most of our efforts. And the majority of our relationships won't end up being with the ideal person of peace that we visualize from, you know, the strategy on paper. The individual who is going to become a mature disciple, who makes disciples, who make disciples, that person is going to be pretty rare. And that's okay. Uh, when we're ministering to individuals that don't end up being the ideal candidate for the strategy, that's not failure. That's just how ministry relationships go. And this is one of the reasons it's so important to sow abundantly because we have to constantly be seeking out and watering new seeds and investing in new people so that we can find the few people who are going to be long-term disciples and are going to become leaders of churches and movements. And I think especially when we're talking about this subject in relation to measuring our own ministerial success, the parable of the sower can be particularly instructive. Remember the sower with the four soils, uh, they sow seed everywhere. And it isn't really the sower's job to ensure that every soil produces fruit. The sower isn't judged by the receptivity of the surrounding land, but by her faithfulness in continuing to sow seeds. And similar, I think, when we as disciple makers measure our own ministerial success by numerical fruitfulness, rather than the faithfulness of our efforts, we quickly become discouraged. Uh, because when we do that, we're trying to validate our work based on variables that we don't control and which are ultimately up to God. And I realized that saying to in this podcast and also to my friends in the UK, you know, most ministry relationships are liable to fail. That can sound cynical or it can sound pessimistic. But I think when we really consider and accept that reality 
It actually allows us to be more present to each individual in front of us and to value our friends and value our neighbors for who they are and where they are in their own spiritual journey, rather than to feel like we need every interaction and every relationship to conform to the ideal of what we're searching for from a strategic perspective. And so in every relationship, we're going to continue to preach and proclaim the gospel. But we also want to be attentive to where people are and let them decide to respond how they wish to, because it's not our responsibility and it's not even within our ability to make others more receptive than they wish to be or to change where they are in their own process of seeking and discerning in order to conform to where we wish they would be within a ministry strategy. So I want to leave off by challenging you today to reconsider where your own ministry relationships are. And I want to especially challenge you to continue to sow abundantly and to not be discouraged by what appears to be failure. Because like the parable of the sower, there's a lot of different kinds of soil out there. And we're not responsible for changing the soil around us. We're just responsible to faithfully sow uh, and to persevere in proclaiming the gospel. So thank you for joining us today on this episode of the Global City Mission podcast. You can learn more about GCMI at our website, globalcitymission.org, or you can visit us on our Facebook and Twitter.